Incoming transmission. The Klingon word of the day is yab. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. So, this is a huge victory for the good guys. Scotty, beam me up. Resistance is futile. Live long and prosper. And welcome to the Computer Resume Podcast, the show covering the entire Star Trek franchise in chronological order for fans new and old. I'm your host, writer-comedian, Mr. Todd A. Davis. We'll find out later if his Star Trek collection can beat up my Star Trek collection. But for now, from the More You Nerd Podcast and Cosmic Crit, it's Drew Burris! Yeah! Woo! Hey, I'm back! <laughs> third time's the charm first time was the charm so it was the second this is it's been really nice having you on for these episodes i've had a lot of fun i just hope unlike most trilogies that we can stick the landing with this one <laughs> that's, yeah that's true gosh <laughs> oh yeah you know what they say about the third ones oh boy um how you been man how's how's your week i've been good it's it's my my kids were out of town all week so i got uh to do um sleep not not nearly as much as I wanted <laughs> to. Nice, nice. Everybody happy, healthy. You. Oh uh, yes, yeah. Just uh, they they were they had a week off of school, and we just figured, hey, instead of uh, letting them just hang out uh, on their iPads while my wife was at work, uh, uh, working from home, not just at home without somebody there. Uh, <laughs> you know, we'll try to ship them off to some grandparents. So the grandparents took them for for a week, and uh, they they had way more fun, and they did interesting, cool stuff. They fed a giraffe. It's a whole thing. Um, Whereabouts? I'm presuming a zoo, but I don't know. I didn't ask any questions. <laughs> I mean, like, it's, is it here in South Carolina or out of state? <laughs> it's in Georgia. It's in oh, Georgia. okay, cool, cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great, man. Are you uh, you keeping caught up with uh, with Discovery? I think I'm I think I'm behind an episode. I am. So I've watched the first two or three episodes of Discovery this season, and just I mean, so so the short answer is. I hope nobody that I work with or used to work with uh, listens to this. I used to have a lot of time at work to just kind of sneak and watch stuff and I changed jobs and I don't have that time anymore. So I'm behind on everything. No. So I'm, oh, man. I'm, I'm trying to catch up. Uh, I, I want to catch up before Picard starts and Picard is one that I have to do week to week. It will be, I'm way more interested in that. Uh, not that I'm not interested in discovery. I love discovery. I love season three of discovery. Uh, more than than uh the the first two especially i never hated discovery no one ever s- cannot find any instance of me saying that <laughs> nice i'll pe- i'll piece <laughs> it together and <laughs> i've got enough audio i'll piece it together <laughs> uh, from, from what i'm hearing of the season is is getting to where you know getting really good and getting to, to a really good part of the like good era of the show and i'm excited to to dive back in i just need more time and like I play a lot of video games and three video games that I wanted to play all came out the same week. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, you know, I'll, fe- I'll catch up at some point. I'll yeah. catch up. You'll it's sleep fine. when you're dead, sir. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I've been watching, uh, 
I've been, I've been keeping, I've been doing pretty decent keeping up with discovery. It's, um, you know, between doing the show and working a full-time job, uh, it can be a little tricky to stay caught up with everything, but, uh, not to detract, um, too far. Uh, but are you planning on going to see, uh, the Batman this coming week Uh, or next week? (laughs) I am. I, it is definitely on my list. It is just a matter of, uh, of time um i'm a huge batman fan we've talked about this i think i, I know we've talked about it off air i don't know if we talked about it on air yeah i don't know if we um, either. I'm, I'm a huge huge batman fan i am very excited to see this movie and to see what uh what this character can be in the right hands mm-hmm. not to say that this are the right hands i don't know we'll see um right but I, I, every batman movie that i have seen in my life which is all of them uh there's always like they get almost all the way there to where I want, but then this yeah. character doesn't have what I want. And then this character doesn't have what I want. I just, I want a perfect interpretation of my favorite comic book character on screen. And we're getting closer and closer. Yeah. I haven't quite gotten it. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think I, I'm having to sort of divorce myself from a lot of the live action stuff that comes out from DC. And then we will talk about Star Trek. Um, But yeah, it seems like, they're not just, I, I, I just, I wish they would lean harder on their strength, which is clearly animation. Like they kill it in animation, but the live action stuff is good as like a flash in the pan or it's so, just like, Oh, oh it, or it's fun to watch on the big screen or something like that. But like those instances are getting fewer and further between. So here's two reasons why they kill it in animation. One, at least for some of their animation, I'm talking more of their classic stuff, Batman, the animated series, the Justice League cartoons, of course. all of that. Yeah. You have 20 something episodes a season, sometimes more. So it's just more space to tell longer form stories in the backgrounds of other shows. Okay. But two, and this is really true of Batman, the animated series, they just did what they wanted to do and they didn't have a lot of oversight from the studio. Yeah. And that, and that shows and the sort of the things that they attempted to do and the things they got away with. And, and it's something that because of that, the, the creators of those shows uh, got a lot more clout when it came to being able to do what they wanted later. (laughs) They did what they wanted when no one was paying attention. It went really well. So then they got to do what they wanted when people were paying attention. And, uh, and, and, and that's where, especially when it comes to, to, to the movies, they don't get that clout. There's always somebody that's looking down. And we saw that with, we saw that with, with Batman V Superman, which mm-hmm. that, that theatrical cut of Batman V Superman is not very good. Um, and then you see the, the extended edition that ha- adds 30 minutes to the, to the plot of that movie. Mm-hmm. Apparently they cut out everything interesting in that 30 minutes. Cause you watch the extended edition of Batman V Superman outside of the worst line in cinema history. Uh, why did you say that name? Martha, Martha, as I call it. Yeah. Which is still bad, no matter what. Yeah. Uh, but the extra thirty minutes that they that they added into that added all of the context for why all of the characters, all of them, why Bruce Wayne was doing what he was doing, why Lex Luthor was doing what he was doing, why Clark Kent was doing what he was doing. All of that was cut out in that weird thirty minute chunk, and it it's it's mind boggling how they could let that out the door, and and to see the same thing happen with Justice League. And I know Justice League Snyderverse. I'm not a huge Snyder fan. I think he can, I think cinematography wise, the dude can put together a shot. Story wise, not quite as much, but I, you know, and I, I I did not really like the, the, the Justice League movie, the Whedon cut of the movie. Yeah. 
what wouldn't you know it you add in an extra three hours to the cut of that movie for the snyder cut i don't know i liked it i watched it in two or three sittings but I yeah I, I i've been i've been burned so many times by um because uh, Batman, Batman for me has been around longer than Star Trek, longer than Star Wars, long, uh, longer than Doctor Who. It's Batman's first love. Was it? Was okay, it? okay. Uh, honestly, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was first love. But right so, after so, that was Batman. <laughs> so I have to ask you this because we're talking about this because we talked about. Uh, I, I mentioned this in one of the episodes I was on. I wish I could tell you what the first episode of Star Trek I ever saw was mm. because it was it was definitely an episode of TNG and it was just one of those syndication episodes that was on TV at some point. Right. The same exact thing is true for the 1960s Batman TV show. Really? Mm. I adore that tv show i love it i love it i love it i was sad when you couldn't watch it for like two decades of my life i mean we literally we were talking right before we started recording and i dropped the joker again (laughs) about i've got my 60s batman lego batmobile in my hands right now i love this show so much and it it came out i i watched this show before the burton movies like the that show and the Burton wow. movies were happening that's, at like the same time. That's a big and, jump. <laughs> and so I got into to this and I remember specifically uh, I was young enough that that Hurricane Hugo hit uh, hit South Carolina. I remember. I remember. Ago. Yeah. Yeah. I remember it knocked out uh, TV uh for for our our area for like two or three days i can't remember specifically how much and of all of the things and keep in mind i was real young so don't judge me too much about this <laughs> i was i was single digit age um uh, i remember being mad that i couldn't watch batman yeah oh and, yeah uh, <laughs> right there with you man uh, yeah you know <laughs> Just again, not to you know linger on it for too much longer, but in terms of the animation with DC, uh, you know Bruce Tim, Paul Dini, and uh, Andrea uh, Andrea Romano uh, really you know assembled a great cast. They had such uh, great insight into hey, you know what the show's pretty dark. Let's do it on black paper instead of white paper, and it beautiful. It beautiful. totally changed the look, and it looked amazing. Still to this day, uh, is a really fantastic um version of the character and that world and i i defy anybody who has seen at least a single episode to read an issue of any batman comic book and not hear kevin conroy's voice he's the batman voice yeah he's he's the voice i (laughs) mean all all respect to mr bruce uh uh mr bruce greenwood who also does a phenomenal job as Batman, who's also a Star Trek alum. <laughs> Captain Pike in the Abrams verse and yes. the, the Kelvin timeline, excuse me, it is the Kelvin timeline. The now. Kelvin timeline. Yes, we have to be correct about those things. The internet <laughs> will let us know. Um, but yeah, so uh, shifting to Star Trek here, what did you think, just I, without getting too spoilery, what did you think of this week's episode? I, I'm a sucker for episodes like this week's episode oh really okay is it the the time travel-y element you or? you you may have have we may have had this conversation off air but how much speaking of batman again how uh how every comic book company uh in the movies that they're making are leaning into the idea of multiverses uh-huh. and different takes on 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 plot lines and different takes on characters and things like that yep i eat that stuff up i eat that stuff up and i 
I understand where that comes from in my brain. It that sourced from Star Trek: The Next Generation cause and effects. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's a lot of fun, and uh, I think I think honestly, for as much grief as people give uh, this particular version of Star Trek. I think this is a really solid entry. Like it's, you know, you've got solid performances all the way around. We get the, we get the alternate reality glimpse, uh, not exactly mirror universe that comes later. Yes. Uh, uh, if you're, if you're taking, uh, if you're taking, uh, you know, uh, volunteers for those episodes, you know, just, uh, let you're it go allowed now. to call dibs. <laughs> if you want to officially call dibs here and now dibs, 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 done. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know, um, those are such fun. It, you can see, I feel like those episodes are fun to write and fun to create and fun to play. So it feels like everybody was really enjoying the job because oh, yeah. I feel like with something like this, which is a procedural, it's a procedural, no matter how you slice it. But with something like this, I feel like it's easy to get stuck in a rut. And you feel like you're doing the same thing over and over, which is stuck in a rut. I'm just being redundant now. Um, but, you know, it, it well, can, Captain it, Archer's it, literally doing the same thing over and over. Right, right. But it can get very mundane and you kind of lose interest. You lose enthusiasm and, you know, and it does end up coming across in the performance. But here we get some really fantastic moments. Um, and to be honest, you know, it's one thing to have good performances and be like, oh, okay, great. And then to look at the overall storyline and be like, yeah, but that doesn't really fit. And this one does a great job of both where you've got some fantastic moments. And then based on the overall storyline, it still fits in there. And it, I think it's a really fantastic entry. I wholeheartedly agree. I loved this episode. I am ready to talk about it. Uh, so I think we might need to get to a recap. Let's See, I get to queue up the recaps. I get to queue it up. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. UPN Wednesday, a stunning new Star Trek Enterprise. In the blink of an eye. Earth. Their greatest fear. Destroyed. How could it have happened? We could have saved them. And who will pay? You were relieved of command. The Enterprise you must not miss. While rescuing T'Pol from a spatial anomaly, and so on, Archer is infected by subspace parasites in his cerebral cortex, resulting in anterograde amnesia. He is unable to form new long-term memories. Unfit for duty, Archer is relieved of his command. <laughs> Paul is granted a field commission to captain, but the mission fails and Earth, alongside every other human colony, is destroyed by the Zindi weapon. The few surviving humans form a convoy led by the Enterprise, which travels to the planet SETI Alpha 5. This is SETI Alpha 5! Twelve years pass, and Archer, still plagued by memory loss, lives with T'Pol in a little house on Cypress Hill in the colony. She's given up her career to care for him. They are visited by Doc Phlox, who eventually engineers a cure. Great. He also discovers that when the subspace radiation treatments kill one of the parasite clusters in Archer's brain, it also vanishes from every other previous medical scan, as if the parasites had never existed. Therefore, since Archer will never have been infected, 
he would have remained captain and possibly prevented the chain of events that led to Earth's destruction. Unfortunately, Enterprise, now captained by Trip, is observed and attacked by Zindi vessels before the treatment can be completed. The Enterprise is outnumbered and heavily damaged. Flocks, Tapal, and Archer race to create a subspace implosion, and as their procedure nears completion, Flocks, Tapal, and the entire bridge crew are killed. Archer himself is fatally wounded, but manages to complete the procedure. The ship is destroyed, but their plan works, and the subspace parasites are also destroyed by the implosion and wiped out through time. Archer awakens in sickbay, recovering from a physical injury, but will never develop the amnesia he originally suffered. Well, so what is it about this episode that really gets you going? That I mean, let's let's get into the nitty gritty here. What is let's, it? Let, let's face it. The the Enterprise has been in a in, on a quest in the Expanse from the beginning of this season to mm-hmm. find the Zindi weapon and stop it before it can destroy Earth. Right. And in the opening moments of this episode, <laughs> Archer wakes up in his quarters, has no idea what's going on. He's almost stopped from leaving, but forces his way past and gets to the bridge to find T'Pol in a captain's uniform, watching as the Zindi weapon destroys Earth. What a, what an intro to an episode. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I don't think we've seen such a great cold open since the expanse, since the, is that first Zindi probe, like cut a new groove in earth like killing off most floridians um but yeah i mean this this it's man it starts off with a bang this is i mean you know pardon the pun but it's really great and and again i i am going to spoil a third season tng episode for folks who have never watched star trek and are watching along here this intro is up there with episodes like cause and effect where the original intro the pre-credits intro to cause and effect involves the enterprise d getting destroyed (laughs) only for it to be suddenly back right after right after the commercial break Uh and uh, i just i i love stuff like this i love stuff like this i don't i can't i I can't put a, a, a like i think it's because i i'm so ingrained in the way things are and the way things happened that mm. I just get giddy to see an alternate take on those things. Yeah. And, 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 and it's, it's weird to say that and then complain in the intro about how I've never seen a Batman that's just like the comic Batman that I love because <laughs> I've seen so many alternate takes of Batman that I should love that. And I do, let's be honest. I do. I'm there to every movie, but <laughs> it's just, you know, it, it's one of those things that I love multiverses. I love different takes on stories. I love mirror universes. I, I am, I eat that stuff up and I don't know why I just, I just, I love it. I I feel like it. I feel, have you ever seen, um, have you ever seen the documentary, uh, the aristocrats? Yes. It's been a long time though. Right. But for folks who don't know, it's a documentary about the dirtiest joke ever told. It's an old vaudeville type joke, but, um, the long and short of it is as different comedians tell the joke, the joke changes. So based on the style of the comedian, it changes the joke to fit their style. And at one point, I believe it's Penn Jillette of um, Penn and Teller who's sitting there talking about it's, um, you know, it's not the singer, it's the song, you know, you're not focused on the comedian, you're focused on this joke, but it's really the singer 
that's putting their spin on this song, you know, in terms of comedy, it's this, it's the comedian and their sensibilities and the things that are, you know, deep in the dark recesses of their psyche that end (laughs) up coming out in this joke. And I think that's what we like about alternate histories and alternate universes, especially with stuff like this stuff, like Batman, where it's kind of like based on whoever's writing it and drawing it, we get some really great things, I think. And I, you're roughly the same age as me. You probably remember the DC Elseworlds that yes. were coming out pretty regularly back mid to late 90s, um, where it was just or, kind of or it was it was Marvel's basically what if Mar- I was going to say, yeah, it's basically <laughs> DC's answer to the Marvel what ifs, which uh, I think one of my favorites of the DC Elseworlds was what if. Kal-El, when he comes to Earth, is adopted by Thomas and Martha Wayne and not Jonathan and Martha Kent. Oh, see, I, I haven't seen that one. I oh, thought you were going to good. Dude. I, see, I, I thought you were going to. Uh, I thought you were going to drop in the uh, Red Sun, the uh, which is which is a way more iconic, uh, way it more is, well known at least. It's very. It is iconic. It is very well known. It is the one I have not read. <laughs> I have still not read it. I own it and have still not read it. <laughs> well, you know, we talked to, talked in the intro about DC animation. They've also done an animated movie about That's it. So true. you can That's watch true. that too. Yeah, there was, I mean, they've done, you know, it was all, a lot of the ones that I found really fascinating were these characters in different periods of time. Like uh, Gotham by Gaslight is basically set in um, turn of the century London. Yeah. It's and a- Batman's hunting Jack the Ripper. Like, yeah, which... I, really cool. I own I own it and I started reading it, but I haven't finished it. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, but you uh, know, uh, Mike Mike Magnola of Hellboy did the artwork. It's fantastic. I, I think he wrote the story too. Like it was, I think it, it so. Was, yeah, it was really like if you like Hellboy and Batman, like it's imagine Batman and Hellboy style. Very cool. Um, I keep wanting to talk about DC stuff because, uh, but I'm so excited about Star Trek. I don't know where to go. Um, the one where <laughs> the the one where uh, where B- B- uh, Bruce Wayne gets the uh, Green Lantern ring is a great yes. Elseworlds as well. Um, in Darkest I, Night. In Darkest Night. Yeah. Very very dope. Oh um, yeah. That, I think there was um, <laughs> yeah there was that one. Um, I you know they did pirate versions. They did uh, you know uh, the far future. They had they mixed and matched different characters sometimes, and just it, you got. It was a really fun way to look at these characters that we know so well, and you're just seeing them in a different light. And it's kind of, you know, with with Star Trek and especially this version of Star Trek Enterprise coming out right after 9-11, I think maybe not right at the beginning of the show, but as it went along, there was this idea of like, hey, America's in a period of darkness and we're having to struggle against this enemy that we're not sure who they are, where they are, why they're doing what they're doing. And I think Star Trek may, like I said, maybe not at first, but along the way started to offer people some hope. And I think, I think for that hope to grow, there has to be a chance that you'll lose. You know, it's, you kind of, you kind of have to risk the dark to get the light. You you can't have a hero without a villain. (laughs) You need to see the results of failure on mm-hmm. screen before you can relish in the success that yes. is almost certainly going to happen because this is a prequel and we know that earth, earth doesn't get destroyed because right <laughs> there's like 12 other star trek shows um it's it's very funny that you mentioned because again we've talked about 9-11's impact on this show before and mm-hmm. and i and and it's interesting watching this episode in particular because 
there, especially towards the end of this episode. And I know we're going to, we're jumping out of order and things like that. Uh, but there is a scene where Enterprise and the Intrepid and a couple of other Starfleet ships are leading a convoy of surviving ships. And the second that I saw that, I, I heard tribal drums and, <laughs> and chanting. Yeah. It felt very much like Battlestar Galactica. Yes. And, and, and especially the remake of Battlestar Galactica, but oh, even yeah. the, the, even the original Battlestar Galactica had the whole convoy of ships. But uh, I, and I was looking at doing research for the episodes like, Oh, BSG, the new BSG had not aired yet. Yep. It, this apparently uh, Mike Sussman, who who wrote this episode, spoilers for uh, for the the <laughs> who was responsible for this section, um, uh, he he had read a a bootleg version of the pilot script and wanted to include a a, a an homage to the original Battlestar as part oh, of that. Wow, <laughs> which is which is fun, especially considering that Ronald D. Moore did uh, was the producer creator of the the bsg remake and was a long time a star trek alum prior to voyager <laughs> oh yeah 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 you're absolutely right well i mean d- you know what you're not going to have to wait much longer because we will be covering the two episode pilot of the remake of battlestar galactica on this very show uh, it's going to be a lot of fun so yeah i've got one of my comedian friends lined up to come and talk about it it's we're gonna have it's gonna be a good time it's gonna be a good discussion i'm really looking we'll, forward to it uh, we'll talk we'll talk off air about my 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 take on that and my personal history with that because it's not gonna be interesting but <laughs> what is interesting is this show um i i i love that that of course we jump we we start we start the show and then we jump 12 years in time uh-huh and I am glad that even though T'Pol has uh, has given up, uh, you know, her her tight fitting Vulcan science uniform, she still gets to keep the color scheme. You know, yeah. she's got the color scheme going on yeah. uh, with her long hair. Uh, and we sort of we start to get the the story and, and and the wonderful moments of like, well, I don't often explain it in this much detail. Like I love I love. Oh. <laughs> I love well, it. I, I thought I thought that was an interesting part of this was it's unclear if their romantic relationship has developed. Well, I, I think it's safe to say that uh, at least on one side, their romantic relationship has developed. Yeah. It's been 12 years <laughs> that this Vulcan has been taking care of this human by herself. Yeah. What happens about every eight years or so? <laughs> oh yeah, it's that little thing called Ponfar. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> definitely happened. One hundred percent. Do you think she had to explain that to him at, at any point? Of like, oh, look, just so you know, we we've we've hooked up at least once. <laughs> but it doesn't matter because he won't remember it the he next won't day. Remember? Yeah. He could. She could tell him that every day. Every day. She could wake up and he could wake up and she will relay to them the entirety of the, the whole Ponfar experience, you know, with the induced Ponfar. Cause then she knows how to induce Ponfar that was in a previous season. Yep. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a whole thing. She, she like, and honestly, this to me is the, uh, it's the part I like least of the episode. Okay. Because I am a big stan of Tuck Paul, which I named but I'm sure it exists on the internet outside of me naming it while I was watching this. I am a big fan of the, of the Tucker to Paul 
pairing than than anything else. Sure. They do they do a really good job of building that up subtly over the seasons. And uh-huh. I, I believe is it this season that we see that or is it next season that we see a, another bit of that? I don't remember. I think it develops a little bit more in this season, but I think it definitely comes to a head next season yeah there's a, there's there's a particular another time jump forward episode <laughs> that we see some <laughs> of the fruits of their labor um but uh i i'm 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 a big fan of that pairing and it 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 just feels slightly off that Tapal would develop these uh, would develop romantic feelings in this way mm-hmm. it, it feels honestly strange that she would develop any feelings for someone who saved her life like that but also that kind of shows some character growth and some of the the importance of, honestly it shows the importance of archer as a charismatic charismatic character in this whole situation yeah and that is probably what matters most in in telling this story is that these are the little moments where archer would have made the difference mm. mm-hmm and that's where we get to to the biggest change and probably the 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 snowball starting events of this episode in one of the coolest scenes that I have seen in Star Trek Enterprise at least. Uh, Enterprise is is I don't even remember what they were doing, but all of a sudden they're attacked by two Zindi ships. Yeah, and they're disabled uh, at least partially, and one of the Zindi ships docks and comes in and starts taking dudes out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mayweather dead already. Yeah, uh, uh, dead on the dead on the deck uh, on the bridge uh, because because it was of an explosion. Um, just whew, awful. Uh, yeah. Archer gets to to stab one of these Zindi reptilians with a statue of Zephram Cochran, which is pretty dope. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, <laughs> dope. Um, we get to see uh, we get to see a bunch of Starfleet dudes just getting taken out because they're aimed down one hallway and then all of a sudden the Zindi show up on the other hallway and shoot them from the side. It's like, all right, well maybe the Makos would have been a, wanted to better, done a better job. Yeah, I was going to say spoiler warning for later in the episode they don't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but then to Paul uh, gets the idea. Okay, we've cleared some out. What do what what do we have? Oh, is the ship still docked with us? She takes the helm with the Zindi ship still docked to them and rams the other Zindi ship with the Zindi ship that's attached to them, which is so dope. Yeah. So unbelievably dope. That has never been done in Star Trek before. Yeah. It has not been done since unless it happened in Discovery season four and I haven't seen it yet. It <laughs> is so dope, but there's a cost. Yeah. And that is the thing that is the most important moment of this episode uh, to me is that there is a cost. And, and to Paul, taking the logical course of action, suddenly Trip is upset with what she has done. Why did you do that? Why did you think that? Our nacelle is blasted. It would take us three weeks at, uh, if we were in dock around Earth to get it fixed. And we're limping at warp 1.5. Yeah. And that is a, a complete, it took them seven weeks at warp five to get to the expanse in the first place. Like uh-huh. it's, it is extremely crippling. And, and that is a move that Archer likely would not have made. And that yeah. is something that, and that's not never stated out loud, but they let the weight of that moment hang in the air toward, to where you're thinking, Oh, would Archer have done that? Archer wouldn't have done something that dope. Yeah. And also we'd still have warp five. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, it's, it's a great moment. And I mean, it's rendered beautifully. I think they did a great job with that. Uh, yeah, I, I, it, it's, it is interesting, especially that initial shock of seeing her in a captain's uniform of like, wait, wait, what? 
Yeah. And then, yeah, I mean, stuff starts happening and happening quick. Um, let's, you know, let's look at uh, the larger picture here. Uh, going back over some of these episodes, and I've mentioned it at length uh, throughout our covering of Enterprise, that there's a bunch of episodes that feel like horror movies. And I think it's interesting that they went for the emotional element, or as I should say, the sadness related to Archer's memory loss, as opposed to playing it up with an element of horror and fear. Like he he kind of had he had a, a at least a loose grip, but you know, the Zindi have been slipping through his fingers and now. It's they are completely without of, out of his grasp. And I feel like this episode could have played out a little bit differently if they had focused on maybe the horror, the horror side of losing your memory and um, or maybe the suspense type. You know, you think of they, something, you they, think they, of something they, like Memento. Yeah. Um, well, and, and, and there's definitely definitely Memento vibes in this. And yeah. And they don't play it as every morning Archer wakes up, every morning Archer wakes up, every morning Archer wakes up. They don't. Right. But there's another side of this that I do love in that there are moments that we know Archer has woken up and and experienced things that we haven't seen. Mm -hmm. And it happens twice in this episode, once fairly early on where it's been, it's been a few weeks T'Pol is still in command and Archer and Archer Tucker and T'Pol are having having dinner uh, in in the mess hall, and they're just kind of t- talking. And, and he's like, "Well, I, I guess I just I realize that that I can't really help on a day to day basis, but I I, I made these schematic. I looked at the ship and I made these schematics to see if we can improve our our our, our speeds and our, our efficiencies." Yeah. And he hands it over to Trip. He's like, "Yeah, you gave me these a couple of weeks ago." <laughs> <laughs> yeah but good news is they're working so yeah <laughs> but 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 then another one where he's he's you know he he feels really down on himself and and it's like he can't help he can't do anything and he's he's on this ship and he feels coddled and he feels like they're t- there he feels like more of a detriment it's like well maybe i can at least just help trip out in engineering it's like we tried something like that it worked for a time but you became despondent doing it or you became uh, like it's just all these little moments that that were just uh, really really yeah have character you, moments we didn't see but we didn't need to see because the reaction was the same either way i think between um myself uh having lived with someone with alzheimer's and dementia and my wife who had brain surgery in college um between the two of us our biggest fears um come from losing our losing our senses losing our minds as it were losing our ability to function because of an issue with the brain i've you know i come from martial a long line of you know big martial arts history and law enforcement like i've beat the crap out of my brain i've been punched in the face so many times it's not even funny uh, but yeah you know and with with her stuff you know she she lives she lives with a steady headache all the time and she's had she's had surgery to relieve that pressure but like after that surgery like she had to relearn how to walk talk eat sleep she had to relearn all the basics now funny thing about her is she overcorrected now i've never seen anybody work as fast as she does on a computer (laughs) (laughs) um but i think there's an element of i think they could have played that a bunch of different ways i mean you look at you look at things like groundhog day you know, they could have played up the comedy element, you know, it's, except for Earth being blown apart. 
they could have played up the comedy of like, oh, he can't remember. And and I think it was interesting that they went for the sadness. I think, you know, leaning hard on that of like, hey, like you said earlier, this is this is the potential cost. Like we saw that cool maneuver that uh, T'Pol did and it having a cost. And then we see the stakes are very clearly set. If you weren't sure like what we stand to lose before watching this episode, you clearly know, okay, we have to win this war or everything goes away. <laughs> or it is gone. Because yeah. we learn not only did they take out Earth, they took out Vega Colony, they took out Mars, they took out Alpha Centauri, they took out every everything. human colony they possibly could yeah. to the point where there were only like a few scattered fleets, the, the BSG fleets that were that were fleeing to, oh boy. All over the place. <laughs> well, not just all over the place. They they were fleeing to one place in particular, yep. which is just the icing on the cake. And I is believe- it, uh, Is it SETI Alpha 6? Is that where they're uh, going? No, this is SETI Alpha 5. <laughs> I, was, I was hoping you would pick that up and run with it. <laughs> Yes, for uh, for those who who it sounds familiar or not sure, hopefully you caught it when we did the recap. Uh, yeah, SETI Alpha Five is where Khan and his group uh, from the USS Botany Bay end up uh, after Space Seed. Which uh, I'm, I mean, I got a long time to go before we cover Space Seed, but I'm really looking forward to it because we're going to cover right. that. And the comic series that comes directly after that, um, and I'm oh boy, I'm I'm really excited. I'm, there's a couple there's a couple spots throughout the franchise that I'm just really itching to get to, and that's one of them. Yeah, I I I, I lo- like if you like it's one of those moments where if you know you know. Yeah, and because they never you know obviously they can't make a big deal out of SETI Alpha Five, but it's like we know watching this because we're huge Star Trek nerds that. Setting Alpha Five, Setting Alpha Six blows up, makes Setting Alpha Five completely unlivable. It's got the 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 brain scorpions that dig into your ears and cause Chekhov to to, <laughs> to, yeah. to be. Uh, <laughs> it's so it's so wild. And and again, Mike Sussman, writer of this episode, kind of talked about that as a little cruel joke on humanity because of course he can. You know, it's yeah. not like it matters in the long run, uh, but uh. They've got they've got at least a hundred years to to stick around and, yep. and be fine before City Alpha Six <laughs> blows up. <laughs> but it's like you said, if you know, you know. For the Star Trek fans who are just like, oh no, they think they're safe here. Oh, oh, they're screwed either way. <laughs> yeah. No. Oh man. Well, we've we've mentioned it quite a few times, but let's get to a uh, section that we uh, lovingly have called "Who Do We Blame." Uh, as many times uh, Mr. Uh, Burris has mentioned, this episode was written by Michael Sussman. The last episode he did was season three, episode two, Anomaly, which we covered on this podcast, episode 47, with my lovely wife, Kat Davis, on our anniversary episode. That was a lot of fun. Uh, this episode was also directed by Mr. Robert Duncan McNeil, a.k.a. Oh, Robert, you, mean, you mean Thomas Lacarno? Yeah, yeah, that's oh, it. No, Nicholas, it was Nick Lacarno. It was Nick Lacarno. Nick Sorry, Lacarno. I messed it up. <laughs> messed it up. Or, or for uh, <laughs> the, you know, the, the less, uh, for the less nerdy, uh, 
aka Tom Paris uh, from Star Trek Voyager. He uh, directed this episode. The last episode he directed was season two, episode 21, The Breach, which we covered on episode 43 with Mr. Lawrence Todd. That was a lot of fun to talk about. And uh, guest stars, there's pretty slim on the guest stars this week, but we have Mr. Gary Graham once again appearing as Ad- Ambassador Saval. Uh, the last time he appeared as Ambassador Saval was season the season two finale. That was episode 26, The Expanse, which we talked about on episode 46 with Sophia from the Where's Beverly podcast. And that was a lot of fun to talk with her about that. Um, I have a production note real quick. Yeah, yeah, go on. for it. Uh, so if Archer in the future living on SETI Alpha 5, his his gray hair wig that he was wearing. Yeah was one of the test soval wigs so really it relatively if it looked relatively vulcan in haircut it did uh, yeah uh, the, 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 so so there was a subtle again this is sussman commenting and some of the producers commenting that they felt that after a certain amount of time with Tapal taking care of archer it made sense that the haircuts that he would get would look a little more vulcan in their cut yeah <laughs> so just absolutely. as a justification for why they used a saval wig uh just very funny yeah yeah that's <laughs> funny yeah you get to see some funny things like that i remember i think they actually uh back in the episode regeneration where the uh sort of the after uh the after effects of the board coming down from first contact they actually some of the outpost was the old Enterprise D. Uh, that was, so, it was actually it was the Enterprise it was the Enterprise E. Oh, it was, was Enterprise it, E. It was, oh, okay, so, cool, so cool, cool. You see, you see uh, uh, across the the range, it was a saucer section from the Enterprise E that was used. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I couldn't remember if it was D or E. I thought it was D, but yeah, you're absolutely right. It is more oval shaped. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the Enterprise E. Yeah, it's fun to find little. Little things like that, it's, like when no, like when Indiana Jones goes into the uh, the tomb and you see the R two D two that carved on the wall. <laughs> yeah, or or R two D two in the the two thousand nine Star Trek movie, he's floating out in space when uh, when things happen. I think oh the, yeah. And the, or the Millennium Falcon. The mil- fighting I was the just about to say Millennium Falcon. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 because uh, Industrial Light and Magic, these Star Wars people did the uh, special effects for those movies. Yeah. Like to throw in little references. Star Trek and Star Wars can coexist, people. They yes. can and should. Yes. In a world where we need more peace, let's bring these franchises together any way we possibly can. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. Uh, well, any, uh, any final thoughts about this, uh, about this particular episode? I mean, we've praised it quite a bit, but, uh, any, uh, any parting thoughts, you know, uh, of these three episodes of enterprise that I have, have camped out with you for, it is weird going from one that was a little, a little weird, a little bit of a downswing, but, uh, even though it features Hoshi who needed more episodes to do anything, yeah. uh, in, in her career. And I, I think for her, it was a great episode, even though it was not you know, great in the overall scheme of things for right. what was going on in the show. Right. Uh, I, I, this th- doing this has made me wistful to watch some enterprise. I find myself sitting down and being like, Oh, what's going to happen? Are they going to find the weapon? Are they going to, and what about the dude that they met in that episode? Is he going to show up again? Oh, I don't know. Well, what about the psychic guy? They need to contact him again. And Oh, they got the tracer. Oh, they got the tracer. And uh, even the tracer was mentioned in this episode too, but it was a different tracer. It's like, Argh! And, you know, I really, I really do want to want to reconnect with this show yeah, you know, as if I have any time to do that, but you know, <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, it's like I said, I think, I think this, this series uh, specifically enterprise doesn't get 
as much love as it probably should. It's not without its flaws, but honestly, what version of Star Trek isn't without its flaws? And um, next generation, um, Deep yeah. Space Nine, except for Move Along Home. Yeah, um, fair enough. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm but just to kidding. be honest, I, I I've got my fingers crossed, and now that um, you know, now that uh, you know, Dominic Keating and Connor Trenier have started up their podcast, I'm hoping. Fingers crossed, knocking on wood, uh, that, you know, it kind of drums up, you know, some more uh, thoughts and feelings and nostalgia for those characters. And I'm hoping, like I said, fingers crossed that maybe Trip or Reed or maybe to Paul makes an appearance in strange new worlds. I think, it you was, know, you, I think you, it's not out of the you, realm of possibility. You, you literally started that conversation with them starting their podcast. And I did not, it just clicked to me in the moment that, Oh, they could be getting a cameo on strange new worlds. They yeah. could cameo on strange new worlds. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, look, throw them in, throw them in some old makeup. They've, I, I would they've say done it could, before. <laughs> I would say you could even have Archer cameo, but, canonically he died a week after the launch of the 1701 yeah yeah although you could only see that in one particular screen on one particular episode that maybe i'll be on um uh the that uh yeah but that's you couldn't even read it unless you paused it and zoomed in and read it so that all of that is is apocryphal you can you can change that stuff i think i think it would be kind of a cool way to start the show is if the crew of the inner of the 1701 um i think if it started at archer's funeral i think that would be really cool and that would make for even if it's just a cold open of like you know having everybody you know graveside and having them slowly walk away and have like a big have a big aerial shot of like as people are walking away you see there they are beamed away as well and the last one to leave is is pike and you know and have him and have him go i'll do my best and have him walk away and beamed right to the bridge it it would be cool it'd be so cool if if it wasn't like five years after that because he's already done a five-year tour he was on his five-year mission when the the klingon war and discovery broke out so it'd have to be a it'd have to be a, a flashback but you know They've done flashbacks before. They've done flashbacks before. You could, you could have an, you could have an elderly on his deathbed archer, giving Pike advice before he goes out on his first mission. Why are we not hired to write these shows? Paramount, please. Here, here are please. Here are our cries to you, Paramount. Well, you know, uh, one of the things that I started doing, uh, or at least that I mentioned in the very first introductions episode of this podcast was trying to establish an essential watch list. And I, I think I've mentioned it a few times here and there, but I haven't really started to, uh, really shape that list. So, uh, I promise here and now to, uh, the listeners, the, the few that do listen on, on, on a regular basis, I will start asking that question and I will start asking it right now. Drew Burris, is this episode essential viewing? Yes. Okay. Which is strange for me because I, 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 I don't, because normally when you have all episodes, they're not essential. Okay. I don't like, I love cause and effect on TNG. Mm. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. Do I think the cause and effect is an essential episode of TNG? I can't make that claim. But when it comes to the story that Enterprise is telling in season three, 
Do I think the Hoshi episode is essential? No, I don't. Do I think that last week's episode where where you have Archer calming down and meeting the Zindi Arboreal and and uh, Draelic Gaelic, I can't remember what his name is, but uh, and and sort of understanding from that side and that not every Zindi is 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 guilty and that there are ones that have no idea what's going on and that and to see the two of them make a connection, that one I think is essential. And this episode to see the 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 failure in the face of lacking Archer as a captain, I feel like that could be essential. I'm kind of in the essential camp on this. Wow. Well, see, I, you know, because I see your point. And I'll, you know, I'm not saying I disagree, but let me offer this. Is it essential for someone who has never seen Star Trek? Oh, probably not. Uh... Oh, because because that was the that was the idea of like, you know, when you when you're coming up with essential watch lists, the big thing with essential watch lists, and please feel free because I know you guys have done a lot of these on the more you nerd, um, analyzing the the piece as a whole, and then figuring out okay which ones are the best, which ones are must sees, all that, and then condensing it for someone who's like, oh, I'd love to get into Star Trek, but it's almost sixty years old. There's a ton of stuff to watch. Where do I start? I you know. Where do I where do I go from here? And, and, and you raise a very good point because I want to mention something. Because yeah, because I, I think an essential watch list mm-hmm. and a getting someone into to Star Trek watch list are different. Oh, okay, okay. You want to get somebody into Star Trek: The Next Generation. So your 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 gut instinct is, oh, the best episodes of Next Generation. And so one of those episodes, the best of both worlds. Yes, yes, yes. Except. As I learned in showing Best of Both Worlds to someone who had no context for Star Trek and had only watched a couple of episodes of Next Gen before diving into Best of Both Worlds, mm-hmm. they had no attachment to any of the characters in Best of Both Worlds. When the events of that episode happened, they did not care. <laughs> they did yeah. not have any attachment to anything that was going on because they didn't know. They didn't have the character relationships built up. They didn't have the 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 years of 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 idolizing this particular character. And I don't know why I'm trying to spoiler tag best of both worlds, but here I am <laughs> doing that specific thing. But, but again, this, it, it's just one of those things where there has like that is that episode essential to next generation. 100% best of both oh, worlds yeah. parts one and two. You cannot watch next generation without those episodes. They are one of, or two of the best episodes of that entire franchise. But is that a beginner's episode? Is that something to get somebody in to that? I don't think so. Yeah. And that, and that, that is a very, those are, that's a fine line. And, 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 and so while I think that this episode could be essential to watching, I don't know that it is a first timers. That's a, that's a good point. I may have to, uh, I may have to alter like uh, my essential viewing question. Um, Cause that's, you bring up a good point, but yeah, I think that's, a really interesting way to look at it because I I remember when and we've mentioned quite a few times ABC's lost on this ep, on this podcast and I always said for people who were wanting to get into Lost of course while it was going on said look do yourself a favor get the first disc of the first season and just watch that that's the first four episodes if you're not on board if you're not curious if you're not into it after that then don't bother but I think with something like Star Trek, which is, again, we're pushing 60 years here, folks. Like 
there's a lot of different places you could start. And it's part of it is kind of like Doctor Who and just kind of like, all right, pick a series, episode one. That that's good enough. Sure. And you could and you certainly could. But I think I, there's so I, many I, I different ways. Episode, yeah, I do think that each episode one is pretty important just because it, it is the easiest way to <laughs> establish characters. Yeah, absolutely. In terms of, you know, setting our love for the franchise aside, if you're talking about narrative and establishing who these characters are and the world that they live in and the time that they live in, you absolutely need the pilot episodes of each of each series. But in terms of, you know, the long, the long haul, the overall narrative, what are those ones that you can't really, you can't really move forward without this, without this. And I think Enterprise is going to be one of those ones that is going, I think the list for Enterprise is going to be longer than it would be for TOS, for TNG, Deep Space Nine, and Voyager, because it was in that period where it was episodic to a point. And then it was longer, you know, totally. two, three, four episode arcs for the I last mean, which, two seasons. Which, I mean, you could say the same thing for, for Deep Space Nine at a certain point, but even Deep Space True. Nine in the middle of the Dominion War had a number of standalone episodes that, while important, don't factor into the overall story. Right. Um, and, and I would I would be interested to 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 have that conversation about Deep Space Nine specifically because it was the first sort of dalliance into to serialized storytelling that Star Trek tried outside of the random next time on two part episodes. Right, right. From your standard two parter uh, teleplay. Yeah. <laughs> um, man, this has been a lot of fun, Drew. Thank you so much for coming on uh, three times in a row and Look, and having I- it. I've had an absolute blast talking. To I you. have had an absolute, uh, you took the words literally right out of my mouth. Cause I was going to say <laughs> I had an absolute blast. And now I sound like I'm just copying you. Uh, so maybe chalk that up to Archer memory loss. To- <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. You're lucky well- I don't take orders from you. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Episode reference. Um, <laughs> but I have had a tremendously fun amount of time. I have loved doing this and I will come back for literally any further episodes especially uh, uh, the, the two mirror, episodes, mirror universe episodes in a couple of seasons. Yeah. Or next season, because this is the second last season of Enterprise. Well, <laughs> I hate to burst your bubble. Those episodes don't come up for a while, even after the finale of Enterprise. So you got a while to wait yet, because the in, in my timeline, those don't come up till later. You're not going to put them in the middle of TOS, are you? Those are in the middle of TOS. Yep. Oh, because they're... Mm. Well, hey... You're gonna to have to take that up with the creator of uh, with the creator of the Star Trek chronology project because that's who that's who I based my list on. Mr. Jason Keener set up the Star Trek chronology project, and yeah, he put those episodes in the middle of TOS. I get it. I get it because they're not our they are not the actual Enterprise crew. Spoiler warning for those episodes when they come out in like three years. <laughs> So from from the end of Enterprise, we've got two seasons of Discovery and then a whole bunch of TOS before we get to uh, before we get to those episodes. Yeah. Well, I hope that <laughs> but, we find some some time frame for me to get back in at some point. We'll oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you are going to keep watching Enterprise, let me know if you're like, hey, I want to talk about this one specifically. I'll book you in a heartbeat. But you have officially called dibs and I will note it. <laughs> 
Well, folks, respect next the dibs. <laughs> <laughs> yes, always respect dibs. Uh, as we uh, as we bid Mr. Drew Barris farewell, we welcome back to the big show artist supreme, Mr. J. Chris Campbell, who actually called dibs on this episode last December uh, to discuss Enterprise season three, episode nine, North Star. Uh, he has a thing for the Western episodes. So uh, North Star, of course, is available exclusively on Paramount Plus. Drew, where can people find you on the Internet? Uh, you can find me and former guest to this show, Miles, uh, talking about all sorts of nerdy stuff at the More You Nerd podcast. The More You Nerd. You can find it in all your major podcasters or themoreyounerd.com and all the social media associated with that. And you can also find both of us on the Cosmic Crit podcast. Do you like sci-fi fantasy cool worlds? Do you like tabletop RPGs? Well, this is two, two, two things in one as we tackle the Starfinder universe by the gaming company Paizo, which is just that uh, cool sci-fi adventures with fantasy elements thrown in. Uh, we are on our fourth season of that show. Although you can find all of our episodes. Each season is a new set of characters, except our fourth season does reintroduce our first season characters for more episodes. You can find that at cosmiccrit.com and all of your podcatchers and other places to find such things. And I am at Mr. Todd A. Davis on all of the socials from all of us at the Computer Resume Podcast. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you in 10 forward. Like, rate, review, and share on all your favorite platforms. Feel free to send us your subspace transmissions to ComputerResumePodcasts at gmail.com or at ComputerResume on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. The Computer Resume Podcast was created and produced by Mr. Todd A. Davis. Our logo was designed by Will Martin and Justin Bishop. The opening theme was produced by Justin Bishop, and our outro music was provided with permission by Dronode. Additional music was provided by Mr. Todd A. Davis and Gary Horn, and the voice of Computer Resume Podcast and executive producer, me, Kat Davis. Hashtag LLAP. We'll see you next time. Going through a Star Trek. We're doing Star Trek stuff in space. We probably got some phasers and shuttle pods, and we're going to find a brand new race. How's that for a slice of fried gold?